This is Paideia, and I'm your host, Cassie Michael. Today, I'll be unpacking and discussing chapters 11 and 12 of Ender's Game. Thank you for listening to this episode of Paideia. So, what exactly happens in chapter 11 and 12? Well, let's start with chapter 11, Weni Widi Wisi, or Veni Vidi Visi, um, which is Latin for I came, I saw, and I conquered, which is essentially what Ender did. Um, we open with a conversation about the schedule of the battles, and then Ender and the dragon army um, start fighting battles. Um, they start fighting these battles long before their three weeks of training should be up, and they fight a battle every day. Um, one day, even fighting two battles. This is unheard of. No army fights a battle every day, let alone two in one day. But not only is Ender and the Dragon Army winning, they are far surpassing their armies, and they are getting very good scores. Um, at the end of Chapter 11, Bean comes to see Ender right as um, the lights are going out, and they talk about the fairness of what is being done to them and why it's being done. Um, Ender creates a lot of enemies um, by conquering and winning so many battles. Um, but he remain he retains some friendships like Dink Minker and Petra to a point, although Petra still hates Ender for beating her in battle. Now these battles not only are is the dragon army fighting more often, um, but the battles are also rigged so that the other armies have an advantage. These are the rigged games that Major Anderson created. Everything is designed so that Ender and his army will fail, so that they'll lose. But that's not what happens. Ender, against all odds, and his army, against all odds, wins. Now, no commander hated Ender more than his first commander, Boneso. When Ender beat Boneso, he had the smallest, youngest boy in his army say and describe what Boneso could have done to beat their army and how they could have used their advantage better. And so that leads to chapter 12, Boneso. Um, we get to see in the beginning some more of like how the IF works and some more of the um, international politics and chain of command questioning Colonel Graf's decision. Um, but what really happens, oh, but um, what happens is Bean starts training um, a special group of the Dragon Army 
to be used when Ender says. And this special group is doing things that no one would think of. Things that people would think are stupid. Because Ender doesn't rely on himself to keep coming up with creative ideas. So they keep fighting some battles. Um, but everyone knows, and this is actually when they fight a battle against two armies. So they're outnumbered. And yet they win not they win because they play the system and play within the system and find a loophole and after this ender decides he's done he's done with the game he's not playing it anymore um ender's army all his tune leaders and um assistant tune leaders and bean are given their own armies as many of the other commanders are graduated, but this isn't after Bonso attacks Ender. And just like with Stiltson and Bernard, Ender fights back and he fights not just to win, but to make sure that he will win always. Um, and at the end of the chapter, Ender himself is graduated and will be going on to command school, something unheard of because no one goes to command school without going to pre-command school, and no one is graduated from battle school without at least six years in battle school, and Ender has only had four. Now, this chapter is unique because we get another conversation at the end of the chapter like we do at the beginning. And if this con and in this conversation, we find out that somebody died at the battle school, but it wasn't by suicide. And we also find out about Stiltson. Um and we know that the boy who died was Boneso. At least they had the good sense not to tell Ender that the boy died. It's the second time, too. They didn't tell him about Stilton either. The kid is scary. We learn that Ender has killed twice, and he doesn't know it. And that is all you need to know about what happens in chapters 11 and 12. So there's two big ideas that I want to discuss. And for these chapters, I think I'm also thinking more about the book as a whole. And one thing I wonder is, are Ender's, is Ender's success, is it because he was born a genius? Is it because it's in his nature and it's in the way he thinks? Or is his success because of what he's been put through in the battle schools. The old adage, nature versus nurture. Now, I don't think it's nature versus nurture, or it's nature or nurture. I think in reality, it's nature and nurture. Both how we were born and our biology and our experiences make up who we are. The way 
we're nurtured in relationship, the way we're cared for and our relationships can play a huge role in how we are and who we are. But there are some things perhaps that all the nurturing and all the caring and all the love in the world cannot change because that's how our brain works and that's what our brain chemistry is um and that's how we were born um so nature and nurture play a role i think and are both are important in this context though it seems to be more heavily thought of as nature you know Colonel Graff constantly has said, we're waiting for the next genius. We're waiting for the next genius to be born. And he's scared about Ender not being that genius. So I'm wondering what Ender has really learned from the battle school and from what the teachers have decided to teach him. Or... Is the battle school more testing Ender's innate abilities? Um, And I don't know. I think the battle school really has been more of a test for Ender. The biggest things Ender has learned are not what teachers have taught him. He's learned through observing his own commanders or through seeking out old tapes of the first and second invasion to watch on his own. He's learned on his own, not because of what Colonel Graff has decided to do and not because of anything any of the teachers in the school have decided to have Ender do. So it seems that this book makes an argument towards the nature of people. And we can also see this idea of nature versus nurture with Peter. Um, What is Peter's nature? And has moving to North Carolina really changed it? Valentine doesn't think so. Valentine just thinks that Peter's gotten better at hiding his true nature. Now, this also led me to think about human nature. You know... And you, people will always say, like, um, it's human nature to do X. And what is human nature? And is human nature the common human experience? Um, are they the same? Or are those different ideas? And is human nature what makes us human? And, you know... Um, it might be human nature to do some things, but then, you know, if you have enough willpower and you don't give in to human nature, are you still human if human nature is what makes us human? I don't know. I don't know. And what things are human nature? And, you know, I think of how our brains are wired and how 
um, our brains like to tell stories and they like to make stories to make sense of information. So is how our brains work connected to what we view as human nature? Um, our brains send signals that make us want to do X. And is that X thing something that we say? Human, it's human nature to do X. Um, I wonder if there's a connection there. Um, my next big idea comes from the end of chapter 12 when we find out that Ender is responsible for the death of two people. And I wonder who or what um, it serves to not tell Ender that he's killed these two people. On the one hand, Ender didn't intend to kill them. Ender was acting, most people would say, out of self-defense. He was provoked. Um, and I guess not telling him, some would argue, protects him from feeling the emotional pain of having taken a life. I'm sure knowing that he's been responsible for the death of someone would break him. He would think he's like Peter, worse than Peter, because Peter has never taken the life of a human. And I think that would break him. And I don't know if he would be still useful to the military cause. Um, and, like, I don't know. I also think that if Ender knew, he might learn from it, and he might learn where the line between winning a fight and ensuring that violence won't happen to him again and taking the life of another is and he might be more careful in how he fights and how he um acts and maybe you don't want a careful military commander you don't maybe you want someone who's a little bit ruthless um i don't know what the best thing is and, um, I don't know. I don't know. I also think that if Ender was told about Stiltson and about Bonso, he could reconcile it and he could take responsibility and he could take on that weight and then it's inevitable that as a military commander, lives will be lost because the commands Ender gives. Part of war, the worst part of war is the deaths. And I can't imagine what it's like to be a commander or a soldier and know that you are responsible for taking the life 
of someone else. And yes, you are serving your country and you're protecting people and it's very noble and I'd like to thank all veterans and all people in the military for their service. I can't fathom what it's like. Um, and a quote that comes to mind from Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince um, is Dumbledore says, killing isn't nearly as easy as the innocent believe. So I know that it must take a toll on those people. Um, but also thinking back to Harry Potter, that first time, um, Dumbledore doesn't want Malfoy to kill him because he doesn't want Malfoy's soul to be ripped and to be damaged by taking that first life. So he asks Snape to do it. Um, and in that book, it seems like the more you killed, the less it harms your soul and the easier it gets, the less painful it gets. So I'm wondering if Ender knew he had already killed two people and he'd been able to go through those emotions and reconcile those emotions within himself if when it comes time for him to make a command or to take the life of a or to make a command that leads to taking the life of people if it would be easier for him and I don't know I don't know what the right decision is now Ender never intended to kill either of these boys. But does that intent not to do harm, not to kill? Well, he didn't intend not to do harm. He intended to do harm, enough harm, so that harm wouldn't be done to him. Um, but I think about intent versus impact. And in a lot of like things, like I think sexual harassment, um, it's not the intent that matters, it's the impact. So should Ender be held responsible for the impact of his actions? Even though he's a kid, I think he should. And, you know, the decision not to tell Ender what he's done certainly doesn't serve Stiltson or Bonso or their families. Um... And I'm also not sure how much it serves Ender. Because when he finds out, if he finds out, I'm sure he'll find out. I don't know. It's, it's going to break him. When if he had found out in the moment, he might be able to process it and work with, like, therapists and, you know... I don't know. I don't know what the right thing would have been to do in that situation. Um, I really, I really don't know. Now, I, what is striking me again it's just striking me again in these chapters. 
is that these characters, except for like Colonel Graf and Major Anderson and the teachers, and like Ender's parents, these characters are children. They're children. And I just, I can't fathom, I can't imagine how much the world must have changed um, and what the world must have gone through to start training military soldiers when they're children. Why can't we have these children have normal childhoods and grow up and then when they're adults get training? Like, what has happened in the world to lead to something this drastic that we're taking children from their families we're not letting them even get letters from their families or see their families ever um and we're training them to be the best soldiers as children and we're asking them to give up their childhood what the heck happened in the world to make it to get to that point. I just, I can't fathom it. And I guess I wonder, what is the value in childhood? You know, I guess a lot of people equate childhood with innocence. And as you grow up, you lose that innocence. And when someone is, by situation or circumstance, forced to grow up too fast, they lose some of that innocence and they take on responsibility that other people their age don't have. Um, But is there a value in innocence? And what is innocence, I guess? Um, I think the loss of innocence comes with the gaining of knowledge. And I value knowledge, but ignorance, they say, is bliss. So are childhoods, like, happy because of the ignorance and the innocence? I don't know. I guess um, an innocence Ender hasn't lost is the knowledge that he's killed. I guess that's one way that they're letting him remain a child by keeping him in that ignorance. Um, I also think that, like, childhood is when we grow and we develop. It's like nature and it's nurture, it's how we're raised. That's childhood is really what forms us and what makes us who we are. And so by taking these boys and some girls away from that, how are we altering who they could become and what kind of leaders they could be? Um, is making them develop and change in 
a different environment and perhaps develop too fast, might it do more harm than good? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, anyway, those are my thoughts on these two chapters. Um, a lot of it was very plot-based and very, like, this is what happened in the battle and, um, you know, conversation, different conversations with characters. And so, um, those are really the only big ideas and big questions that, um, I had from these chapters that I wanted to discuss and process and continue to think about with all of you. So thanks for listening. This is just a reminder that I would love to have some listener voicemails so that this can be more of a conversation. Everybody reads stories differently and everybody perceives stories differently. Even the same person who reads the same story at two different times will read and perceive them differently based on how old they are and the zeit the time zeitergist there's a fun like word to describe like the time the context of the time that you're reading and reading it and and I'm sure I butchered that word so if you read something differently or if you want to comment on something I have have said or have a different perspective or you have a thought about the themes of this podcast um, or you have a question you'd like to ask, I would love to hear from you. Um, to send a message, you can go to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm backslash Cassie dash Michael, and that is M-I-C-H-E-L slash message. Once again, H-T-T-P-S colon backslash backslash anchor dot F-M backslash C-A-S-S-I-E dash M-I-C-H-E-L backslash message. And that is all lowercase. So for today, I'd like to share a thought I have about some of the themes of this podcast. And it's really a question. And so what I wonder is a lot of stories for children um, have humanity represented in non-human animals or objects. Um, humans are represented in bears or in sneeches or um, in fishes or um, the thing that triggered this or made me think this question was cars because I was watching um, Cars the movie today and the cars are anthropomorphized. They're meant to be human and they're given human characteristics. And so what I wonder is, what do these stories 
where these non-human animals or objects um, are anthropomorphized and given these human traits, what do they tell us about, you guessed it, what it means to be human? Um, ever since Paideia and ever since spending a semester um, writing essays about some aspect of what does it mean to be human, um, it's a question that will never leave me and it's a question I think I'll never be able to answer. Um, and right now, I don't have an answer to my own question of what do these stories for children, oft, or stories often meant for children, um, tell us about what it means to be human. Um, so if you have any thoughts, I would love to hear them. Thank you. You've been listening to Paideia. Thanks for listening. Um, this is Cassie, and I really enjoyed making this episode, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Join me next time for another great episode of Paideia. Paideia.